A good Erev Shabbos, Rabbi Yisai, dear friends. So we're learning Parshas Noach this week, and it's a truly unbelievable, unbelievable Parsha with the solace of all of life in it. So we'll take one aspect, try to look at it deeply and see how we can change our lives through it. The Parsha states that Hashem came to Noah. He says to him, that's it, I'm going to destroy everything. And here's why, because they, they, they become evil. So what, what you should do is you should make for yourself a teva. And he goes into the description of you should be with three floors and you should have a light source inside of it everything, and then Pasuk Yud Zayin says, and I, I'm going to bring a flood. So if you if you notice, uh, pay careful attention, the fact that in the beginning, in Pasuk Yud Gimel, Hashem does say He's going to destroy the world, but He never says it's going to be through a flood. He never says it's going to be through a flood. And yet he begins to describe the building of the Teva. Now, seemingly, if the Teva is a ship, then first you should tell me that you could bring a flood. And then afterwards you tell me that you should build a ship so you, so you, so you could survive it. Um, if it would be meteors raining down from heaven, so how would a Teva help? It was not uh, uh, exactly a bomb shelter, right? Uh, you would tear right through that thing. <laughs> Maybe then you should start digging very deep, a thousand feet underground, being able to build an entire underground complex to survive the meteorite shower. So the the flow nupsukim uh, is doesn't make sense. It's a very strange flow nupsukim that first we're 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 told it's just the world is going to destroy the world without being told that it's a marble. And yet, then the Torah launches into explaining how the table should be built, not yet knowing it's a marble. What's going on over here? Um, it's one cash. Um, the, another cash is The Rabbeinu Bache, other Meforshim explain the Kliyakr. They all explain that the Teva couldn't have possibly fit all the animals that 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 were supposed to be in it. The animals, their food, their excrements. Um, you're talking about an entire zoo. A zoo receives tons of food every day. Tons of food every day for all these animals to feed. And yet Noah could somehow manage to find space for all of this inside the Teva. So the Rabbeinu Bachi says in Echanami, it was a miracle. It was a miracle that, that, that Hashem did for Noah. Um, the obvious question is, if you're anyway going to do a miracle, so why make Noah work for, for, for a hundred years building this... Uh, this ship, this teva, 
the building of the Teva took no, 120 years. It's a very, very serious endeavor, right? Why is Hashem making Noah work so hard? If anyway, it's going to be a miracle. What's So then just, you know, have a, a magical carpet, a flying carpet. Just have them all go onto a carpet and you'll fly them up to the, to, to the, to the skies. What's, what's going on over here? So Rinu Bachi says, Bikitzer, he says, uh, obviously something that we're going to need to understand a lot more, but he says, Hashem has you do what you can. He says has you do what is possible, and Hashem does the rest. Obviously, this still needs to be understood. Um, why is this what was considered was possible? Meaning, the Teva had to have you know, um, light source. It had to have um, food supplies. It had to have uh, three stories. But it wasn't big enough. So what's what's the point? So maybe you should make it that animals are all three stories, and don't worry about where you put the dung. That you'll take care of later. That'll be a miracle from Hashem. So I mean, why is it specifically that if anyway the miracle is going to fall short, we're going to need to uh, uh, the, the building is going to fall short, and there's going to be a need for a miracle. So we need to understand. So why specifically is the the, the miracle the way it was, which is that the maat is machzikas hamerubah, the little bit contained a lot. The small, relatively small teva was able to contain all these animals. The Rashi brings on the, in the end of Parshas Boratius, why was Noah 500 years old when he, has, he had his first children... Right, so it's a Midrash Boratius Rabbah. So Rabbi Yudin says, everybody else having children when they're 100 years old, maybe 200 years old. No has to wait until he's 500 years old. What's going on? So he answers because Hashem didn't want Noah to have fully grown children. Because if they would be fully grown adults, then if they were shy, they would be destroyed. And that would be uh, a pain to, to Noah. That would, that, would, that would hurt Noah. It would be a rat to the tzaddik. And if they're going to themselves become tzaddikim, so then Noah would have to build tevos harbe. He would have to build many tevos to accommodate his mishpacha. And l'chayra, it's a pella. Because the teva was 300 amos by 50 amos. That's... That's... Uh, well more than a football field. Uh, I haven't done the math, but uh, it's 300 amos is 450 feet or, or, or potentially uh, 600 feet, something like that, by uh, anywhere from 75 to 100 feet. This is enormous, enormous. And the Midrash talks about how many rooms were on each were on each floor, there was a tremendous number of rooms. It, so even if Noah, who managed from the age of 500 to the age of 620, when the, when, or to the age of 600, let's say, when, when Hashem decreed the Mabul, right? So Noah had managed to have three children, so over the course of 100 years. So if he had started having children when he was 100, let's say, and so for the next, 400, for the next 500 years, he'd be having children... So let's say he would have 10 of his own children. 
And let's say some of them already, the older ones would have their own children. Let's say there would be 40 offspring, maybe maybe 50 and with their wives. Let's say it would be 100 people all in all. Each person would still have the equivalent of a nice, giant house to live in. Uh, on that, I mean, contrary to what we said earlier about for all the animals, there's a lot of animals. So for all those animals, the middle floor, the second floor where the animals were, was like Rabbeinu Bahi and the Kliyakar explained, was impossible to fit all of them into there in a way that, in any sort of a way that we could imagine. On the other hand, the upper floor where the where the human beings were was basically vacant. It was like they were they were like a, you know. Playing bowling and uh, and uh, uh, watching, uh, you know, trying to see one the other one, from one end of the room all the way to the other. It was enormous for the for Noah and his wife and his and his three sons and and their wives. This tiny little family. So the point is, Noah could have easily had a hundred family members easily living with him. Why is the midrash over here telling us? That if Noah would have had righteous offspring, he would have had to build Tevis Harba. The indication of this midrash is that for every full-grown adult, a person who is already Chayven Onshin, his sons were still under 100 years old, which back then was the equivalent of today 20 years old, where a person becomes Chayv for, for Onshin, Mineshamayim, that now he begins to be punished. Basically, until a person is 20 years old, to a certain extent, he's still a child, he's still an adolescent, he's still under his father's roof, so to speak. Back then, he was 100 years old. So, as long as Noah's children were 100 years old, so they were they were under his roof. Once they would be over 100 years old, they would be on their own. The indication of the Midrash is that they would need, each one would need their own teva. Each one has to have his own teva. So now we have to build tevas harbor. He has to build 10, uh, 15 uh, maybe tevos. That would be tremendously uh, difficult. Uh, so that's why Hashem prevented him from, from having children until he was 500 years old. And the obvious question is, why does every household need to have its own teva? Okay, so the, the sod that Maral lays down in Gur Aryeh is... Uh, that the Teva was not simply a physical means to escape the flood, because like Rashi brings, that when Hashem brings a a, a destructive force, Rashi uh, uses a Latin word, Andromusia. Andromusia means an an, an annihilation, uh, a catastrophe. So when that comes to the world, that that kills both the righteous and the wicked. It kills the tovim and the roim. It kills everybody. That's why Hashem refers to it as a kol, as Kate's kol basar. The end of all flesh has come in front of me, Hashem says. So the guy says, wait a second, but Noah in the end of the day was saved. So the answer is Noah was in the teva where he was nivdal. He was separate from everybody else. He wasn't in their world. He was in his own world. He was separate. And with this, with this one word, that he was separate, it was a place it was a separate place. It was a separation where Noah was. Now we can answer the first question we asked. We asked earlier. Hashem said, I'm bringing destruction to the world. So therefore, start building a table. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be a flood. So it's out of order, seemingly. The answer is not out of order. As long as Noah builds a table, as long as Noah builds 
something where he is separate, where he is living in a different world, in a parallel universe from them, so then the decree to destroy them will not apply to him. That's what it means a teva. A teva means section yourself off from them. Create an, in, uh, a separate world where you're going to be, and therefore the decree of annihilation will not be relevant to you. Okay? And now, with this, the morale in a number of other places, explains, there's a Rashi that says that the Tsahar, the light source that was created, so one of two options, either it was a window, like a window to bring light into the ship, or a, or it was a precious gemstone that was hung up, suspended uh, in the top of the, of the Teva uh, to, again, as a, as a light source. So the, the, the question is, well, if it's just a light source, so then why not just use a candle? So Gwari explains, because the, the, the Midrash says it very powerfully, the Midrash says that um, the Teva was meant to be a miniature world. The Teva was meant to not only have the Tsohar, which was in the place of the sun, but it also had smaller gemstones representing the stars and the moon and the constellations. The, the Teva was made of three layers of, of the upper floor where Adam lives, the middle floor where the animals live, the lower place where the, where the excrements were. That has to do with the organic matter. That's that's uh, that's where the excrement is. The lowest level is just organic matter, but there's no there's no life force in it. And the animals, that's where there is life. And the humans, that's that's in the world of intellect, of thought, of, of spirit. Uh, that's that's what the teva was broken up into these three layers, and that's why each layer, perhaps, is the same size because all three worlds—the world of Asiya, the world of Yitzira, the world of Bria are all parallel worlds. So, they, they, everything, it's the same, it's the same dimensions, 300 by 50 amos. So then also, um, Maral explains, that's why the Teva had to be an ama long at the top. It was a, at the top of it, it was kind of like a pyramid, uh, slanting, you know, like a slanting roof. And it has to, and it ended that the roof had at the top of it one ama long by a tefach wide. <laughs> which is um, the same dimensions as 300 amos long by 50 amos wide. And Maral explains that the reason why it was a tefach wide is so it should have a shame oil. That it should still be considered a Halakhic a tent, we're learning uh, CS oil right now in, in the Halakhic Habur at Night Seder, right? So, so an oil, Shipui oilim, says we Paskin, Shipui oilim, lavke oil dummy. They do not have a status on oil. If the whole thing is slanting, if there's no roof up at the top, flat roof at the top, it's not called, you have a gag. And the world has to have a gag. It has to be an oil. The teva had to be an oil like all the beautiful Torah that we spoke about on Sukkot, what the concept of a gag is, there is the hashgacha, there is the having something above you, if you just in two, if it's completely slanting with coming to a point at the top, 
So really it's just considered to be two walls. It's just two walls that meet in the middle. And there is no God, so to speak. That would be like, a, like an athe- a, a, God, uh, a world of, of an atheist. Where all it is is just sides. All it is just sides. It's just sides just keep on going until they meet. We understand that there's the sides, there's the walls, but then there's also a gag. There's something straight above me. There's something direct above me. There's something that's ram, that's separate, that's up there, that's not connected to down here. The roof is not connected to down here. The walls are connected to down here. But the roof has to be separate. The roof is up there. That's an aspect of Yirish Shemaim that we've spoken about in the past. And so now we continue and we find that the Rashi says, Visharsu Ba'aretz, that when, when, we're, when Noah is told to come out from the Teva, let the animals come out and let them populate the land, let them pr- reproduce on the land. So Rashi says that in the Teva they were not reproducing, the animals were not reproducing. Even the animals and the birds, Nesru B'Tashmish, they were forbidden in Tashmish. What is this concept? What is this concept of being forbidden in Tashmish? And, and, and finally coming back to um, the concept that we spoke about, that the Teva was something that the Ma'at was Mahzik as a Meruba, a little bit was able to contain the lot. It was a, what, what comes out is, First we'll give a marshal and then we'll try to explain it. The marshal is, imagine you have a king who has a beloved son, his only son. He loves him so much and the entire future of the entire world rests on this son. When the king is getting old, he needs this son to rule the world, to rule, to rule the kingdom after himself. But what happens? The son becomes a terrible criminal. He becomes a, a terrible person and he commits a capital offense. He murders somebody. And then what happens is, he's brought to justice, to before the king. But what's the king supposed to do? If the king executes him, so the kingdom will be left without an heir, without, without, a, without a king to rule it. You can't do that. You can't, you can't have a kingdom without a king. That's it's not a possibility. On the other hand, justice demands that he be brought to justice. He, mean he can't be allowed to get off he, uh, without being executed. He, he killed someone. So it's a conflict between justice and purpose. The purpose demands that he should live. But justice demands that he should die. So what does the king do? The king says, I'm going to sentence him to death. But he is able to conceive a child before he's executed. And that child is the expression of the zera, of the DNA, so to speak, of this prince. And that child is, is an embodiment of that prince, except without that terrible offense on his hands, without that terrible blood on his hands. Right? Because it's, it carries out the DNA, so to speak, you, you're able to extract the DNA from the stem cells, right, of the prince, which is the Zera. And that is the prince, but in his pure form, in his unadulterated, uncorrupted form. And that can be given continuity beyond the execution. So to overhear humanity, 
corrupted and acted so terribly that it had to be the justice demanded and it had to be destroyed. Nothing could be left. On the other hand, this is the whole purpose of the creation is to have humanity. Without humanity, there's no purpose for, for justice. Justice is only a means, a way for the purpose to be accomplished, which is that man should be close to Hashem. So what did Hashem do? He created, he created a DNA. He took uh, a, a zera. He took uh, a zip file of of the of the what was in reality. He took a miniaturized version with just a mishpacha, a family with a tzaddik, and whatever is his nuclear family, which means him, his wife and his young children who are underneath him. And that explains why, if they would have already been over a hundred years old, they would have been tzaddikim in their own right, so that just it would mean you need more tevas, because a teva has a man in it. Man. Man means, conceptually, means a man and his wife, and nuclear family. And the animals, and everything had to be present inside the teva, that conceptually exists in the world. The world has these three levels we spoke about. So the Teva had three three levels. The world has a, a sun, a moon, stars. So the Teva had that. The world is a oil on a very large scale with light suspended in it. So the Teva also had to be an oil with a tafach at the top. And the but because it's a zipile, because it's a, it's it's not the man, it's not it's not the physical man and the, and and in his full existence, it's they so to speak, went up when it went into the teva they it transcended to a different level of existence to a level of existence where they were separate from the entire existence they were nivdal and that's why the annihilation didn't touch them because they were so to speak. In a world of conception, in concept, uh, in, in, in a, what I keep using a zip file as an analogy is that's really uh, the DNA that we have is a zip file of the person. Person is you take the DNA, you build it out, and you, you get a person. But obviously, there's also many decisions that happen along the way. There's many uh, unique features to every person. But a person, the DNA of a person is is a uh, that's that's the that's, that's the concept of a person, without all the choices they've made along the way, and without all the you know, scars that he that he got a scar when he fell down when he was six years old, and whatever else. So too over here, Noah in the teva, it was an existence that transcended physicality, and that's why the midrash, by the way, says that the uh, that the year there's a machlekes if we count this year. In the age of Noah or not, in the ultimate age of Noah, that Noah aged. Uh, so, so, so you don't count the age of Noah. Uh, this one year that he was inside the teva, because he was in existence in a different reality, and in that reality, which is not a physical reality, there's no room for animals to reproduce. Reproduction is has to do with the decay and the genesis of this world. In this world, animals. Are born and animals die. Animals are born and animals die. In that world, in that year that they were there, no animals died. No animals were born. There was no reproduction. There was there there, there was there was it was a world of concept, and that's why there 
space is not size, relative size of things is irrelevant. Relative size of things matters when they're physical, when they're real. When in the world of concept, it takes just as much headspace to think about an elephant as it does to think about a mouse. It takes just as much, just as many bits in a computer program to talk about an elephant or to represent an elephant as it does a mouse. And therefore, in the Teva, as long as conceptually there was room for everyone, so there was room for everyone. That was the miracle. The miracle was that the Teva transcended and elevated to a higher world. That was the miracle of the Teva. And that's what it takes. That's what it took for number one, for Noah, to get away, to be nivdal, to be in a different state of existence from everything else, which was being annihilated. And number two, really, this is the secret of tshuva. Tshuva is where the person manages to pull away from their physical deeds, from their physical actions that they've done, and return to that pure inner place, which is not defined by the actions that happened in the meantime, by the who I really am, as opposed to who I've become, you can rediscover that, and in that place, then, the any punishment, any, any difficulties, any suffering that needs to come to the perpetrator of those Averos is not going to be relevant to the Balchuva. The Balchuva is the person who is reconnected to his to who he really is, the DNA, we believe, as opposed to the original sin of the Christian thought that people are innately, foundationally evil, we believe that people are innately and foundationally good. And therefore, the foundational good, that's the place to return to. We can return to there, we can rediscover that place, and then from there we can bring life again back out into the world. That's the beautiful message of Parshas Noah, how much the purpose of the world is absolutely requires the existence of man, the greatness of man, the fact that Hashem elevated Noah and his family to a transcendent state where they could escape the physical destruction and then come back down again. And so do we, with whatever challenges we're facing right now, there's a lot of different physical challenges, a lot of the world around us, California is on fire. The world is imprisoned by coronavirus. Lots of different tragedies happening, especially in the Chicago community. It's a time to find our internality, our panemius, our inner teva. doesn't make a difference from what, whether it be a flood or a meteor shower. If I can find my teva, I can find my purity... <laughs> I can find my internal connection to Hashem, then even if, chas v'shalom, it shouldn't happen, but even if a catastrophe were to happen in the world, a person like Noah would be protected. As Hashem said, we shall be zohar to find our inner selves, that place where we have our purity, and from there bring beautiful, pure life out to the world around us.